Welcome to The Growth Kit, a podcast where science and actionable advice intersect to help you live a better life. How to Prevent and Reverse Alzheimer's Disease There are steps we can all take now to prevent the cognitive decline that experts have long believed to be unavoidable and irreversible. Dale Bredesen Alzheimer's disease is the sixth leading cause of death in the United States. This chronic neurodegenerative disease is characterized by a progressive decline in cognitive function, including memory, thinking, and judgment. It's commonly held that there's no effective way to treat or reverse Alzheimer's disease. But then comes this new approach. In his book, The End of Alzheimer's Program, The First Protocol to Enhance Cognition and Reverse Decline at Any Age, Dr. Dale Bredesen offers a new approach to preventing and reversing Alzheimer's disease. Dr. Bredesen is a neurologist and neuroscientist who has been studying Alzheimer's disease for over 20 years. Using evidence-based research and anecdotal data from the patients he works with, he has developed a comprehensive yet individualized program that addresses the underlying causes of Alzheimer's disease rather than just the symptoms. The program identifies 36 metabolic factors, micronutrients, diet, exercise, hormones, sleep, stress management, supplements, etc., that help to prevent and reverse Alzheimer's. What I like about this approach is that it's functional, that is, it addresses the root causes without using the Band-Aid approach. Since Alzheimer's is progressive, a diagnosis tends to come well the disease has already made the brain its home, and the onset of those early stages is often preceded by years and decades of poor, but preventable, health habits. The approach used in this book, therefore, is a way to not only to treat and reverse Alzheimer's, but as a way to minimize the risk of cognitive decline and other health concerns as we age. How to Prevent and Reverse Alzheimer's Disease 1. Address Insulin Resistance Insulin resistance occurs when the muscle, fat, and liver cells lose their ability to effectively respond to insulin, a crucial hormone responsible for sugar absorption. As a result, these cells fail to transport sugar to the essential parts of the body, leading to elevated blood sugar levels. This condition has significant implications, especially in relation to Alzheimer's disease, as virtually all individuals with this disorder experience insulin resistance. In fact, Alzheimer's is often colloquially referred to as type 3 diabetes, although it should be noted that the relationship between the two is more complex than a simple categorization would suggest. It should go without saying, then, that insulin resistance should be addressed immediately. Signs of insulin resistance include abdominal fat, the inability to fast, hypoglycemic episodes, a BMI greater than 25, fasting glucose greater than 114, fasting insulin greater than 5.5, and a hemoglobin A1c greater than 5.7. You can also have insulin resistance without being overweight, which he refers to as TOFI, thin outside, fat inside. While the risk of insulin resistance increases with age, it's seen more and more often in younger people. Here's how Bredesen suggests addressing it. Exercise regularly. Reduce stress. Treat sleep apnea. Consider supplements. He suggests considering the following supplements as needed, but consult with your doctor before doing this. Berberine, alpha-lipoic acid, cinnamon and chromium picolinate. 
monitor glucose with a device such as a CGM or continuous glucose monitor. These are more frequently covered by insurance, so ask your doctor about it. Adopt a KetoFlex 12 to 3 diet. This diet he created is broken down like this. Keto refers to ketosis, which uses your body's stored and dietary fat as fuel instead of carbohydrates. Flex refers to both a flexitarian diet, meat optional, and metabolic flexibility, or using fat and glucose as fuel. The 12 is the number of hours you should fast overnight, and the 3 is the number of hours that you should stop eating before bed. KetoFlex 12-3 also includes limiting sugars, processed foods, simple carbohydrates, dairy, and grains. The three components of the diet are fasting, diet, and exercise on the foundation of quality sleep. Number two, improve sleep and avoid sleep meds. Sleep is essential for brain health. Bredesen provides a variety of sleep hygiene tips that I've written about in previous posts, such as going to bed at a consistent time, stopping or limiting caffeine in the afternoon, fasting for three hours before bed, using blue light blockers, and respecting the three-hour sleep window before bed. He also highlights the importance of avoiding sleep medication. Benzodiazepines taken for three to six months increase the risk of Alzheimer's by 32%, and taking them for more than six months boosts the risk by 84%. Using benzodiazepines for more than a year can cause cognitive impairments that continue beyond the cessation of the medication for up to 3.5 years. I knew the use of sleep meds had a negative impact on memory and cognitive health, but I was blown away by these stats when I read them. Examples of benzodiazepines are Xanax, Librium, Trangzine, Valium, Paxipam, Ativan, Cerax, Centrax, and Doral. Even non-benzodiazepines, aka Z-drugs, are becoming more of a concern for cognition because they down-regulate acetylcholine. Some common non-benzodiazepines are Zolpidem, Zolpiclone, Zaloplon, and Ezopiclone. Instead of using these sleep aids, Bredesen suggests some supplements I've written about like magnesium, ashwagandha, and L-theanine, as well as others like CBD oil, chamomile, lemon balm, melatonin, and tryptophan. 3. Oral Health and the Brain what does your mouth have to do with Alzheimer's? Surprisingly, a lot. Bredesen writes, the mouth is one of the most important sources for the insults of cognitive decline. He points to six main subcomponents of oral health that are correlated with cognitive decline, mercury amalgams, herpes simplex, periodontitis, gingivitis, root canals, the oral microbiome, mercury amalgams, also known as dental amalgam fillings or silver fillings, are a type of dental material used to repair cavities in teeth. For mercury amalgams, he suggests having them removed by a biological dentist. He also suggests having no more than one or two of them removed at a time and a few months between each sitting to allow your body to detox. I had my metal amalgams removed about five years ago when I first learned about the potential cognitive risks of having metal in the mouth and not just mercury. While I can't say I notice a difference, I have no regrets about doing it. Cold sores, aka herpes, simplex virus type 1, or HSV1, are viruses that live in the trigeminal ganglion, which are nerves of the face. These ganglion cells stretch from the lips and face to the brain, 
which means that this virus can also travel that route directly into the brain. Bredesen recommends the antiviral acyclovir, or valacyclovir, to both treat cold sores as they occur and to prevent outbreaks. He notes that these drugs have minimal toxicity and are generally well tolerated, and people take them for extended periods, up to years. Talk to your doctor before beginning any supplement or medication. Some other recommendations he has for taking care of your mouth are to use an electric toothbrush and a water pick, do oil pulling, and stop mouth breathing. Does this program actually reverse and prevent Alzheimer's? Does this program actually work? It's important to note that there's no cure for Alzheimer's. This program is said to prevent and reverse Alzheimer's. And Bredesen's research helps to back this claim up, although this research is refuted. Despite decades and arguably centuries of attempts to manage Alzheimer's, we haven't gotten very far. This is a testament to how complex the human brain is and how unique each person's brain and body is, despite the billions that have been put up against it. Additionally, there are recent allegations over the amyloid hypothesis and the research surrounding it, which is a major issue in itself. To determine if a program works to mitigate dementia, it requires more than case series of reports. Replicable randomized control trials with strict protocols are needed, but they are costly, time-consuming, and difficult to conduct given that dementia is a multifaceted disease. Each measure taken to impact dementia, e.g. cinnamon, exercise, cortisol levels, requires its own study put up against a control group with many participants over many years to help determine if it even plays a role in cognitive decline. Even then, the methods, type of exercise, type of cinnamon, and the accuracy of self-reports and blood tests will be up for debate. This is a complicated game that the field of nutrition has been playing and arguably losing for years. Where does that leave us? In my humble opinion, this program is a great way to address your overall health and well-being, which in itself can support the prevention and reversal of Alzheimer's and general cognitive decline. The old results will vary, adage applies to any approach that addresses humans in the brain, and this is no exception. However, if I, or a loved one, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, then I would adopt this program. Thanks for tuning into the Growth Kit Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. You can check out my website at mindbodydad.com and subscribe for more weekly insights sent to your inbox. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at mindbodydad. Many of the links I share are affiliate links, which means I earn a small commission if you purchase through them. This doesn't affect the price you pay, but it helps support the podcast. In some cases, I may even be able to provide unique discounts for you. I only recommend products and resources that I genuinely believe in and use myself. My top priority is to provide practical ways to help you live better, and I wouldn't link to anything that doesn't align with that goal. Thanks for your support.